This week on Gym Ops Radio, the guys talk coaching development 101, the keys to developing a high-level coaching staff that plays a vital role in a successful gym, from a macro view of three brand promises that govern everything to the individual components of a class, we break down the how and why, along with the benefits you'll see by developing coaches better. Welcome to episode 55. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. My name is Brian Pritz. I'm here with Dave Thomas. We're the owners of Performance 360 here in San Diego. Uh, today we're on episode 55. We're going to be talking about coaching development. Uh, so where to focus for a better bottom line. So a lot of times when you talk about uh, bottom line, profitability, successes of the gym, you talk a lot about revenue, you talk a lot about marketing, you talk a lot about you know the business side of things. But uh, the underlying truth is that the coaching and uh, your coaches themselves play a really important role in the profitability and success of your gym. And by kind of ignoring that aspect and really working on developing those coaches to be better, um, you're leaving a lot of potential revenue and success on the line um, by not having that as a primary focus. So today we're going to talk all about coaching development 101 and getting those coaches to be uh, you know, as good of coaches as they can be. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a couple of good points there. Um, you know, every single gym knows that coaching development is obviously an important part of the member experience and being successful. But um, I think that, you know, the, the key to it is understanding the balance of like, where do you develop coaches? Um, because obviously you need that on one side, you need the technical skills, you need the actual coaching know-how. And then on the other side, you need to constantly be developing just the reinforcement of the cultural awareness. So, you know, specifically how you do things at your gym and how you, you want your coaches to do things at your gym uh, from a member engagement, cultural perspective, and things like that with both being extremely important. You know, um, you can certainly make a case that one is more important than the other. Uh, I'm not super interested in that, you know, kind of straw man argument. I just like to believe that both are very important. Right. And so constantly focusing and constantly developing both of those areas will just make sure that um, both are addressed and you don't have to decide which one is more important because they both matter. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, as we'll kind of get into this different buckets that we place certain aspects of development, but you know, no matter, um, you know, no matter how you choose to approach coaching development, you know, we mentioned last episode on um, talking about the difference between an expense versus an investment. And I think as it pertains to developing your coaches um, and the ongoing education, that being much, much, much more of an investment than an actual expense. Yeah. Um, whatever you put into that position, whatever you put into um, the actual education expenses are um, certainly going to deliver you a very high multiple of whatever you invested into that. Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, you know, over the years, we've spent a lot of money on coaches and paying for certs and, um, you know, internally developing them, focusing on, uh, like you said, a lot of cultural training. Um, it's, it's not always technical training. Um, and that cultural training as well, I, I think, does a lot to just like boost the success of the gym. Um, you know, after all, you've got X amount of members that are interacting with your coaches every single day. And if you don't just have like the same cookie cutter coaches, um, or sorry, the 
same cookie cutter members that just want one mm-hmm. thing. It's you've got a ton of different members with a lot of different needs and a lot of different, um, you know, requirements in order to keep them happy. So um, by really developing those coaches, it's exactly like you said, it's an investment that will pay time and time again for what you put into it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's ultimately training your coaches and developing them to understand the difference between IQ and EQ. Obviously you need that um, high intellect, that high level of intelligence to the specific skill that they're coaching. Uh, but you also need them to understand the emotional intelligence of it, how to read a room, how to read people, how to adjust their coaching, depending on the type of person that they're talking to. You know, are they a hammer and everything is a nail or are they able to apply different skill sets, different nuance um, to different people? Because that can make all the difference between reaching membership potential and leaving a lot on the table because you only attract a certain type of person. Right. Um, So, yeah, we've got um, kind of three big points today. Um, Coaching Development 101. Uh, The first is, you know, a macro look at it all. Uh, the second one, we'll kind of break that down, look at the, the micro view, and then we'll talk a little bit about the benefits of, um, you know, focusing on all this stuff. So in the macro scale of things, um, you know, for us, three brand promises that govern everything. Um, you know, this is literally, this applies to every little thing that we do in the gym. And the first brand promise is names. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've talked about it before. Um if there is one single thing that you can do and teach is to have coaches and, you know, management and owners, uh, learn names and use names at every touch point along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that goes into classes, uh, when coaches, coaches are coaching classes that goes into emails when you're responding to somebody, it goes to phone calls, just, um, saying their name, reinforcing, uh, you know, that goes beyond even just the names, remembering little things about those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what that does is that really allows people to, uh, you know, know you, like you and trust you, which we talk a lot about. Um, it creates that personal connection, uh, that, Honestly, like you can't get everywhere. Um, if you think about anywhere you've ever been, uh, you've probably remember somebody or something that they remembered about you. Um, and maybe it's just your name that you're like, wow, they remembered that. Like that shows that they really care. Um, and it, it all goes back to that. Just like showing people that you do care. Um, and the first point of that is remembering their names. Yeah. Um, you know, you said one thing that I really liked learning a name and using the name. So making sure that, yeah, you're not just getting that name, but you're constantly reinforcing that experience and that emotional buy-in with the person by continuing to use and repeat their name back to them. And it's funny, you and I, um, we won't use names, but you and I have a close friend who, uh, who went to the gym and there was another person that went to the gym and our close friend just could, they they never liked this person because he met him like four times and he just never (laughs) once remembered his name. And it was like, you know, a stupid thing that we all forget names all the time, but like our friend just couldn't get past this. Mm -hmm. And it was just that like first impression of how he would always be like, I have met you like four times. Like, (laughs) how can you not remember my name? And that is just such an example that's always stuck with me um, because I feel names are one thing that you can be in control over right. when it comes to the relationship of people in the gym. And you would be surprised at 
how little effort you actually need to continue to put forth with people if you're just personalizing that base level of interaction by addressing that person by their name. Um, it's not to say like you you don't want to go and above and beyond the experience, but that that's ultimately the psychology of like what people really care about. And you mentioned the know, like, and trust. You know that that's proven psychology of what creates personal connections, getting people to know you, to like you, and to trust you. Um, and there's just no doing. You know the 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 basic barrier to entry on that is just the continued use of a human being's name. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you brought up that example of our friend that like you know he met this person several times and they they just can't remember their name. Um, it has created such like a like a barrier to no matter what this person does uh, outside of that, he will just he'll never get over that. You know, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's like such a pain point for them. Yeah, it's like they'll have a great time if they hang out or you know whatever. Like I think he's mentioned like oh like they're actually a very friendly person to talk to, but it's like they just can't get over the fact that just won't remember his name and it's like that is super <laughs> disrespectful to him to where he can't handle it so yeah i know um and I, I like i always 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 remember that anytime we do coaches reviews or anything with names of just like don't put yourself in that position because you know it's like i've always instructed coaches like i don't care if you have to ask for somebody's name four times right and i do mean that you know there's a difference between meeting someone like personally outside of the gym and also just a coach who has 15 to 20 people in class and it's okay to just own that like hey i know i've met you a bunch of times but we got a lot of people in here um so just tell me your name one more time. Like I'm really trying to learn it. Just not having any shame in doing that. Right. And just making sure that like six months doesn't go by where you don't know a person's name because then there's just, there's no going back from that. <laughs> you cannot get someone's name <laughs> six months into the class where they're just like buddy or gal or whatnot. Right. And, and, then, and that, then you start resorting to calling them boss or oh uh, chief or something like that. <laughs> and then that's, yeah, that's and not a good look. Nothing like there's the, one single way to get out of favor with me as a gym owner for our staff is just like if I come into a class and I'm, I ask a coach like, hey, what's that person's name because I want to know it and they have no idea. Right. And that's very rare, but it does happen. And that's when I'm like, ah, you know, that's that's the one thing that we've got to focus on. And that's the one thing that can make this all go around is just the, the personalization of it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, second the second one on the list, first one for me. So you went over names as part of our three brand promises. The second one is why. Um, this is one I, I've, you know, I've seen this come up a lot over the past year uh, in the industry of, you know, consulting places and, and companies like that. They are starting to reinforce this much more than it was before. Uh, this was always kind of like our little secret weapon. Right. Um, and it's much more it's much more commonplace now, but it still amazes me how few places do it. And it's just explaining the reasoning behind something. You know, it's proven that this next generation coming up is like generation Y. They want to know why they have to do everything. And so that's, you know, thinking about coaching is it's important to understand that coaching is a lot like sales. And I know coaching purists like hate that analogy, but the reason why I say that is because both are just about effective communication. And really, like when you're going to buy something, 
you're going to buy it when you feel like you're really informed about that product. And right. the same goes for somebody who's being coached. You're really going to listen to that. You're really going to buy into that when you're more informed about why you're seeing something up on that whiteboard, why your coach is asking you to do something in a certain way. So always just making sure that your communication is led with, of course, you know, what and how, but it's constantly reinforced and driven home by that why to be accompanied with it. Yeah, there was a study done, and this is a, a slightly like non-applicable example, um, but the point is still there. Uh, there was a study done where uh, they tested if you went and asked a stranger for a favor, um, you know, little things like, "Hey, do you mind if I, you know, check out in front of you at the grocery store or something like that?" Hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was like, I'll, I'll botch the numbers, but you'll get the point. It's like forty percent of the people you know, was like, okay, sure, no problem. Um, however, the moment that the person gave a why for why they were asking for that, uh, the results went from like 40 to 80, like 80% of the people wow. did the favor or, you know, allowed the person to do whatever they were trying to do. And what they even found was that even if the, what the explanation or the why was, it didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. As long as a why was provided, those that percentage went way up. So like, I think one of the examples they used was like somebody was trying to, um, you know, cut line at the laundromat or something. And all they had to do was said, say, I'm in a hurry. They didn't have to say like, you know, hmm. my son's at home alone or whatever. It was just hmm. like, do you mind if I jump in front of you? I'm in a hurry. And that caused the people to be way more favorable in terms of their response. That's actually very, very interesting. Yeah. I think it just speaks to the point of like that. Why it's, it kind of ties into the point of how, you know, I have no problem making the analogy that coaching is a lot like sales because communication is communication and it doesn't really matter what you're trying to communicate, but that, that study is a great example of just people are more inclined to uh, get on your same page if you're giving them a reason as to why that is. Yeah. And some applicable scenarios where you would do this is obviously when you're um, teaching the class or giving the walkthrough, um, mm -hmm. but also, you know, if somebody makes a request that you can't do, um, whether that's like back end, whether that's like in the class, you know, we get a lot of people that are like, um, you know, I don't want to run. Can I do the bike instead? And it's like, well, no, we don't allow that unless it's an injury or a special circumstance. But, um, you know, just responding, be like, you know, I understand you'd want to do that. However, um, we don't allow that. Here's why. Um, so that can be a powerful thing when people ask like questions that you can't say yes to. Um, and then it's also applicable on the back end when people write an email and they're like, can I do this? Uh, you know, an example is like, can I uh, allow my classes to be used by my husband who's not a member at the gym? You know, stu stupid stuff like that. It's like you could easily respond by just saying like, sorry, we don't allow that. Um, mm -hmm. But by providing a why behind that, people are much more accepting of, you know, let's just call it bad news or something they don't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So on the coaching end, uh, you know, talked about no like, and trust and that why just continuously reinforces that. So it's like you gathered the name. Now you're communicating with um, a why reinforcement behind everything. So you're just continuing to chip away and build that rapport of the no like, and trust. Um, okay, so those are our first two um, as far as our macro brand promises. We did names. We've gone over why and talk about that third one. Yeah, the third one is tone, um, and this is a big one. It's all about, in that class setting, 
uh, bringing that room together and rallying like behind some sort of positive um, aspect of what you're doing. So, um, you know, we've had situations in the past, we've had people in the past that their natural personality is kind of harsh. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're like, you know, not a nice person or anything, but like that delivery of what they're doing uh, comes a little bit across like it's dividing and, um, you know, not everybody together. So, you know, it's all about creating excitement. You've got a room full of different personalities, different skill levels, different fitness levels. So it's like, how do you bring together or how do you use your tone to bring all those people together for one common goal um, of what that, you know, is going on in that class? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just so nuanced because each day is going to prevent or present different opportunities to do that within a class. And, you know, let's just take something like, um, you know, say, for example, you have something that's like a thousand meter row or some sort of like some sort of workout that we know is very polarizing or that you at your gym can think of that's a polarizing workout. And, you know, let's say the coach doing it is like, uh, you know, they're, they may be a really competitive person. And so they come at it through that just like hyper competitive lens. And that's going to be really fine for some. Some people are really going to, to rally around that. And as human beings, we just naturally um, we, we zone in on the people who support what we're doing. So right. we think like, oh, everybody's into this because I had like three or four people come up to me and tell me that. Right. But that's not the case. And so if you're only coming at it through that lens of just like, hyper competition focused, you might understand that there's, you're, you might fail to understand that there's also some people in the room who have like an enormous around, amount of anxiety over that kind of workout. Yep. So if you're just, you know, if you're, if your tone is all just like driven behind that competition, then you're going to potentially alienate people. So it's the ongoing development of like, yes, you want to get that arousal up in the room for people to be excited to do that workout, to set a baseline, to maybe set a PR, but you also want to make sure that you're doing so in a way that um, you know, makes it okay to not have your reason being there for like class competition. So, you know, this isn't to go down the rabbit hole of like how to do that. It's just to speak to that point of if you're trying to get coaches who are contributing to your bottom line as a business, then you need coaches who have a high level of self-awareness. And that means that they're giving a, a walkthrough for a workout that is not their lens, but understanding kind of the broader lens and speaking to everybody in the room. Yeah, that's a really good point. You mentioned that, you know, that row, you know, for time or something like that. It's like, yeah, you'll get those few people that come up to you and are like, yeah, 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 like this is awesome. Um, but there's probably five people in the corner that are like, oh my God, if I don't do this really well or really fast, like I'm going to, you know, fail at this workout or the coach isn't going to like me or something like that. And they're not going to say anything. They're not going to come up to you and say like, I don't feel comfortable. They'll just sit there in the corner, do the workout, go home and feel you know, upset or discouraged about the workout and their performance. Exactly. And these are, these are the reason, um, you know, names, why, and tone are three brand promises. And, uh, those lead every single coaching evaluation that we do. They're the first three boxes that we review with the coach. They're graded on a one through five score. Um, and those, we go into a deeper dive of here's how to get better at this. Here's what you're doing really well, constantly providing critical feedback on those three areas. Um, and so 
for our purposes, we do lead with the cultural stuff. And that's kind of what I consider these three to be. Certainly there's technical aspects that overlap with those, but those are what really support our macro culture. And without those three things, we kind of get lost. We get off course with what we're really about. So we try to keep those at the forefront of what we're doing and at the forefront of how we review and develop coaches. Exactly. Um, yeah, let's, let's head into the micro, the in individual components of a class. Cool. So now we kind of get into the nitty gritty a little bit more. Uh, we have five categories with this. So this is kind of the second phase of our coaching evaluation and development. And for these, we start off with new members. So how are our coaches engaging and developing our new members? This is a huge part of what we do here. My dogs are driving me crazy. <laughs> this is a huge part of what we do here. Um, and we talked about this actually last episode how we have um, a scripted process for how coaches engage trials, for how coaches engage new members. And um, it, 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 we get a lot of new members at the gym because we, um, I don't know how to say this, we do pretty well. Um, so we get a decent amount of joins every month. And if we're just kind of onboarding these folks and letting them kind of set it and forget it, um, then we're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table and we're leaving that potential for them to have a great relationship with the gym in their first 30 days um, it's just kind of up in the air whether or not they're going to have a good experience. So um, as we move into the kind of technical aspect of things, this engagement of new members is is equally about using those names, getting to know them, but it's also for the coaching aspect of it. You know, we want new members to see right away that they've joined a gym where they're going to get attention and where they're going to actually get coached. Um, so that's a big part of our development and what we focus on. Yeah, exactly. Um a really good example, um, we had a new member and um, they, I forget exactly their details, but like they joined and then right away they got deployed in the military or something. So they left and they were gone for a year. Um, they came back and were back in San Diego and started up again. And I, get, I apparently they were only um, at like one or two classes after they joined the first time before they mm -hmm. left. And when they came back, they attended a class and um, the coach remembered their name and remembered some things about them from a year prior. Wow. Um, and, you know, I put that under the new members um, just because this was kind of a new member twice. And it's just like little details like that. And then going back to the names, they're like, this person, you know, was hooked um, just from that aspect and enough to write an email in about like, how welcoming it was mm -hmm. to see something like that. That's great. And to tie in just some like some technical, how do we do this? How do you develop if you're listening with the new members? It, it just, you know, th there's a reason we have this kind of system developed because it all ties together. Right. So it's like names, why, and tone. Those are three things that we just talked about that are macro, but these three things just completely drive the way for coaching new members. Are you learning their name? Are you educating them and getting them bought in? And are you using a tone that's kind of supportive and empathetic with them and not necessarily in a position of like governance? Right. And so if you're able to get those macro brand promises down, then you have no problem with the rest of it, especially that first one on the board with those new members. Right. Um, you know, another really important aspect of, of that class component is uh, correcting movements. Now, um, you might think this is pretty obvious and it's like, yeah, no no shit, we should be <laughs> correcting movements. 
but it is still one of those things that I see a ton of opportunity for, even if you're doing it really well on a lot of levels. And I'll give an example. Um, you know, everybody's coaching cleans or, um, you know, push press or mm -hmm. squats, all that stuff. Um, but a lot of times it's like those little movements that, you know, if you really pay attention to the big movements, you kind of forget about the little movements. Mm -hmm. And that might be something like push-ups. It's like people get away with crappy push-ups all the time. Um, and I see it all over social media. And it's like even little movements like that, just correcting them um, mm -hmm. can go a really long way. All in that, you know, ability to create trust between that member because if they see that you're looking out for them on little movements like push-ups um, they are going to trust you as a coach um, and that creates that connection with that coach and obviously um, allows them to be kind of a, a long-lasting member because they know wow this person really cares about what I'm doing here it's not just the big movements absolutely and you know I uh, before we hired our director of coaching development I did a review last year with a coach of ours and you know we were talking about her ongoing confidence and really asserting herself with members, especially with members that are a little bit more fit. And um, you know she gave me this great example of how she had corrected a particular member who's a longtime female member, like very fit looking, very strong, um, and kind of cleaned up her push-ups a little bit. And that member remarked to her, like, "Thank you for doing this. Like no one has actually ever given me this kind of a cue or corrected my push-ups in this manner." And so it was awesome to see that, but it was also simultaneously a reminder of how we can, as our staff, continue to do a, a more focused job of like, you know, not just assuming that these people who are on the more fit end of the spectrum, that A, they don't want coaching or B, they don't need coaching right. because those people appreciate it just as much as everybody else. And so when we talk about correcting movements, there's a reason we kind of separate that as a category on our reviews from coaching new members, because we want to make sure that this is broadly applied to every type of person. And there's no person in the room that doesn't want to be coached. You know, I can think of maybe like five over the course of 10 years of being in business of members who came to the gym who were just like, didn't want to be coached. Yep. And uh, those members have either left or been asked to leave. Right. And so it's like not using those small, minute examples and thinking that that's like runs rampant in any sort of class. People pay for the service. They come to the gym. They could do these workouts in their garage, but they choose to come to the gym and the coaching and the correcting of the movement is a big element of how we create that connection. Absolutely. Um, okay. So third on the list of our micro development and evaluation is demoing. So, the obvious example is the walkthrough. Every gym has one of those where the coach is up in front of the room and you're giving the demo, the prep, whatever um, terminology you use for your gym. Uh, but demo is also just on an ongoing basis. So um, it's just a reminder for our coaches to use all their skills, all their tools in their coaching toolbox, so to say. And so I think it becomes really easy to when you're running a class to, you know, be able when you're coaching to just kind of use verbal cues um, and touching, which is obviously really, really good cues, but also just constantly demonstrating what you want people to see. Um, giving people those visual feedbacks, giving people something that they can look at and be able to then kind of translate into performing it on their own. Understanding that just the demo aspect of coaching doesn't necessarily stop just because uh, the walkthrough is over, but continuing that on and into the class. 
Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tie that back to the why. Um, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, if, if there's a workout and there's a lot of different movements, maybe some new movements, that walkthrough can get pretty long and um, we'll get into the energy of it. But like if you're taking too much time in that demo, um, it takes a little bit away from some other things. So tying it back into that why instead of just demoing and showing how to do every movement, you can visually do the movement while explaining why you're focusing on something or why you're doing that movement in general. Um, and I found that that connection has a much more effective uh, result than just demoing the movement and explaining why separately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good call. And I love like when I'll walk into a class and I'll see a coach like actually on the ground, like doing a push up or like doing an actual demonstration of the movement in the middle of a class, like kind of one on one with right. a member. Um, that's always just excellent coaching. It's excellent, excellent engagement with members. And it's yet another step that you can take and kind of layering that knowing, liking and trusting. Yep. Um, so I kind of alluded to the next one, uh, energy. So, you know, the big question here is do you suck or enhance the energy of the room. Um, you know, this is very applicable to me personally. Um, when I coached a lot, I'm not a super energetic person. Um, I'm more of an introvert. Um, I don't love like the, you know, being in the group and being that loud, like rah, rah type person. Um, and you don't, you don't have to be by any means. Um, but are you at least providing enough excitement and energy around what we're doing to, allow people to be enthusiastic about what you're doing um, or are you just kind of walking through the movements and kind of being an energy drain uh, to where you're sucking the energy out of other people for being there yeah this is one that's this is like huge for me and I, I talked about it a lot when we do our coaching academies but you have to match what's going on in the room so if there's like a high energy workout let's just pretend it's like a high intensity conditioning tier and you're just kind of strolling at an extremely slow pace through the room, your hands are behind your back, you've got that kind of just like observation thing going on, like that is one of my major, major pet peeves. Move quickly, match the energy in the room. You don't have to be super vocal. You just said that, and it's a great point. You don't have to be super vocal to enhance the energy of the room. You can do it by going through one-on-one, -on -one, encouraging people in a low-level voice. You can be moving with purpose. Uh, you can be moving with intent. And those are very subtle ways with body language that you can elevate that energy. So certainly wouldn't expect people to be cheerleaders the whole class. You definitely need to be vocal. Uh, but one thing we are constantly reminding our coaches is that like, which way do you lean? Are you bringing or are you taking energy from that class? Because subtle things can make an enormous difference for damaging the experience of that workout. Yeah, you mentioned our coaching academy, and I remember this was one of the things that I saw a dramatic improvement from every single person that went through that coaching academy was like how to manage that energy and like you said, kind of coach with purpose and intent rather than just like from a, a, a lens on the sideline of like, I'm just looking for corrections to make. Exactly. And yeah. I saw some like, you know, some relatively timid coaches or people that weren't really sure how to work that room just make dramatic changes on um, how they were to take ownership of that room and get everybody on board to have like this awesome experience. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. New coaches often fall victim to they think that their only purpose there is like look for cues to correct. Yep. And it's their their heart and, and head is in the right place, but that's only one aspect of it, which is why it's correcting movements is one of five categories on our micro list here. And understanding that, yes, there are times when you need to hop in and correct, but there's also just as many, if not more, opportunities to just zoom out and bring yourself into this role of just, all right, I need to – I need to I need to bring the energy up a tick, um, and how can I do that? And yep. so, um, yeah, body language, movement, vocal, uh, many ways that you can do that, but it's something that you always want to be developing with your team. For sure. And it kind of goes hand in hand, but the fifth point is leadership. So leadership and energy, kind of two different things. And the way that I kind of differentiate the two is, you know, energy is that presence that we just talked about within a workout has started, what are you what are you doing to elevate that but leadership is just the ongoing ability to be able to get people to really trust that you know what you're talking about and are also excited to listen to you so you know we've all had coaches that come by and maybe tell us something in a workout and we're just kind of like you nod your head you don't really buy into it it's like there's just a little bit of a disconnect and coaches that are really, really good leaders are those who are able to kind of give those cues. They're able to tell you where to go in a workout, what the purpose of the day is. They're able, they're able to tell you where they want you walking in between the zones, in between the tiers. And they're able to do it in a way that just creates that net excitement to be there and that net buy-in for just the whole entire aspect of a workout. And coaches who really uh, struggle with leadership and who aren't quite as confident, that really, really comes across when they try to project that presence of, okay, in this moment, I need to be a leader and I need everybody to do X, Y, and Z. And so a lot of times coaches might overcompensate for that lack of confidence by coming at it from a very harsh or abrasive tone when that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people to develop just their confidence and security to guide and lead 20 people when it comes down to safety and effectiveness of the workout. Yeah, exactly. And to tie that back into the macro promises, you know, the names, why, and tone, you find that mm-hmm. the, the big leaders, the ones that do leadership really well, are the ones that are constantly using names, talking about why, and have a great tone with the room. And it's like they go hand in hand. If you're able to do those, um, people look at you as a much better leader, and that builds your own confidence to be a better leader. Absolutely. And somebody can kill one through five on this list, but if they lack that leadership quality, then there's always going to be something lacking. There's always going to be that just little bit of disconnect between them and the room. And once they're able to kind of get that fifth skill, get that leadership down, it just kind of like fills in all of the, not holes, but it just, it brings everything up to that level of quality that like that coach may have been perceived as like they were missing that one thing or they couldn't quite like get this one point across. It's just that ambiguous leadership skill. And that can definitely be developed. A lot of times when I used to review coaches and really coaching people on that leadership in class is, you know, they would just say like, you know, this is just something that I'm just, I'm not super comfortable with. Like I'm not confident telling people what to do. And it's always that conversation of you're not, you shouldn't see leadership within the context of a class as you telling people what to do. You know, if that's how you, that's how you think that it's supposed to be, then that's how you're going to come across. Right. And maybe that might be why you struggle with it. 
leadership is exactly like what you just said. It's just the continuous reinforcement of the why of what you need from folks in a way that lowers anxiety and brings that room together. Yeah, it's like that collaborative approach. Um, mm -hmm. I find people get lost in that leadership role when they're just trying to dictate everything and they're not trying to collaboratively, um, you know, be helping the room as a whole. Yeah. I mean, one of the guides that all of our new coaches get is a guide that we wrote. It's an 80 page coaching guide that's called the collaborative coach. And uh, it's just all yes. about how, you know, this is, this is why we're doing things with this way, because we are partners with the people in class. You're responsible for them and you are in charge of them, but in a way that is always collaborative and not as a dictator. Exactly. Um, you know, so the, some of the benefits that the gym will experience if you're able to um, attract and grow your coaching staff and develop them um, into really good coaches um, are pretty great. Um, you know, the first one is retention. Um, you know, every gym, when you talk about the success and kind of the numbers behind it, um, a lot of it is about how do you increase retention? So how do you make your current members stay longer um, because that's a lot easier than getting a new member. Um, so one of the big benefits is if you can get coaches on board with all of these, um, your members are just going to stay longer. Uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, there's really nothing that is needed in order to make that more complicated. Right. <laughs> um, this is, yeah, it's, you know, people come to the gym for results. You have to get them actual physical results. But I, I would always argue that just as important to that, if not for some people more important, is just that ability to come somewhere, feel like they're getting that good workout, see some progress, but also just feel like they're coming to a place that, uh, for lack of any better term, gives a, sh gives a shit about them. Right. That's not to say you have to do all these things bending over backwards for people, but just that base level of acknowledgement and empathy is going to boost that retention. And that's really all that's needed. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned results and that obviously physical results are a very important aspect of it, but a lot of people just the same, like need mental results. Um, mm -hmm. And that means just having a place that they can go to where they feel accomplished, where they have um, a coach that's leading them and being collaborative with them um, and just a place to come and like expel that energy and get all the, you know, all the shit that happens throughout the day out of your way and just put in a good workout. So, yeah. you know, the results yeah. don't have to be physical. Exactly. And I would just ask you, like, if you're listening to this gym owner, is your gym that much better at being positioned to get somebody results than in, than any other gym? Are you doing something that is proprietary that, that another gym cannot do? If you are, awesome. But chances are you're like us and you're not. So you get people really good results, but the way that you're able to differentiate that, is, that experience is through all these things that we're talking about. You can, you're in complete control over the person's um, – you said mental, so I'll use that. Their, their mental experience in the gym. You have complete control over that. You don't have control over whether or not they're going to get results. You don't know if they're going to try as hard as they can in a workout. You don't know what they're going to go home and eat, how their sleep is, all those things. But you can provide them a 10 out of 10 experience by following the things on this list. And that's what really drives those retention 
drives that retention and what drives those referrals. I love that. That is such a good point. Um, and so number three on that list, increased earning opportunity for coaches. So it's, it's, it's really that simple. And if you find that you might struggle with getting coaches to understand, you know, the reason for reviews, uh, to get them to understand the buy-in, then it's easy to just circle back and say, this is ultimately going to drive your ability to earn more for your profession. So we talked just about increasing retention, increasing referrals. That is another way of saying the gym is going to make more money. So when the gym makes more money, that's more opportunity for that revenue and for that profit to be just turned around and put right back into the coaching profession. But if coaches aren't active participants in being able to drive that revenue up, then being able to continue to provide more is always going to be that uphill challenge. So there needs to just be that unity between ownership, management, coaches, everybody involved. Like, this is why we're doing all this. We want to continue to develop you as coaches. We want to be a place that supports the career that you've chosen and supports that ongoing education, not just in the form of like, hey, we'll help you with the cost to attend this certification, but we're also going to help you be able to earn more money by putting these practices in place to get you better at supporting our ability to earn more money. Yeah. It's kind of how kind of how that breaks down. Yeah, I mean again that goes back to the why if you're collaborating with that coach from like a management or owner perspective and you're explaining why you're doing the things that you're doing, you're going to have a much better result. It goes, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah, you know, we just had uh we were fortunate to have a really good kind of 6-7 months after COVID and saw that we were positioned to really make it through that and saw that revenue um had increased above from where we thought and we turned around and used that to create a bunch of new positions and a bunch of new career opportunities for coaches. And all of that is an ongoing discussion whenever we have um, performance reviews with our team is like, this is exactly why this stuff matters. Like all the work that you just did over the last five months to help get us to where we are, this is a direct result. You either receiving this promotion, receiving this raise, this new position, this is why this occurs. It doesn't come out of thin air. It doesn't come out of our pockets. It comes out of our ability for the gym to collectively improve because you're focused on these aspects of development and in bettering the entire scope of the experience here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I would suggest any gym owner that's constantly looking for like that next best thing that's going to, you know, drive a bunch of leads to your business or, you know, that marketing software that's going to do this for you. Um, you know, a lot of times you just flip that, that and you look internally and it's like, how can we pr improve from the inside out? And that mm -hmm. will end up creating referrals, increased retention, all that stuff, which will make the, uh, the need to get new leads and new members obsolete. Yeah. It's just everybody on the same page. Yep. All right. So let's go ahead and do a quick recap of what we talked about. So coaching development 101 where to focus for a better bottom line, we broke it down into two categories. So first was the macro, zooming way out and going over our three brand promises that govern everything in the gym. The first of those are names, learning them, using them repeatedly. The second one is why, always making sure that you're delivering education and a reason behind, your, behind why you're asking someone to do something. The third was tone, so bringing the room together, not dividing it. Do you have the self-awareness? Do you have the EQ to go along with the IQ to make sure that everybody is excited to do the workout, the right level of arousal and not so bored or not so turned off or high, high anxiety? 
And then we went into the second category, the micro. So kind of the individual components of a class. We talked about first up, new members. Are you coaching them? Are you learning their names? Are you engaging with them? We talked about correcting movements across all levels, making sure that you're not just focused on those who visually need it more than others, but even the more advanced, more fit people who crave coaching in a way that might be silent and not necessarily vocal. We talked about giving a proper demo, not going too long in the workout, or excuse me, too long in the timing, not uh, failing to deliver the why and making sure that you use your demonstration skills even once the workout has started. Number four on that list, we talked about energy. Are you bringing or are you taking away energy from the class? Energy can be delivered in the form of vocals, in uh, purposeful movement, in body language. There's many different ways that we can enhance energy in the class. And then point number five, talking about leadership. So are you able to just collectively lead the room in a way that comes off as confident or a way that comes off as a little bit insecure? And then finally, the three benefits to communicate to your staff, to getting them to buy in to all of these. Number one, increased retention. Members will stay longer. Number two, increased referrals. More new people will come to the gym, which yields number three, the increased earning opportunity for coaches. With all those things clicking, the experience doing much better than ideally every single person involved with the gym, from owners all the way down to the newest coach, will have an opportunity to earn more for their profession. That was a great recap, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, forgot where I was a few times in that, but we got through it. So. <laughs> uh, well, that's a wrap. I got nothing else. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time.